Greetings and salutations, sports fans. Welcome back to another edition of At The Half with your girl, Jackie Ray, right here on 950 Lounge and CBTV Radio. And wherever you listen to your podcast, I do have to say thank you so much. I got a bunch of new listeners last week, which is amazing to me because I am horrible at promotion. I really am. I feel like y'all can hear my earrings in the mic. Let me take these off. (laughs) But I'm very thankful for you guys checking in on your girl. And I don't know how a lot of you guys found me. I know a lot of you guys came from um, Spotify and iTunes. I really, really, really appreciate you. Um, Thank you so much for that. Make sure you follow me every weekday morning on at the Fumble Live. Just go to YouTube, look up the Fumble And you'll find us every single weekday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, Also, make sure you check me out every Thursday on Dash Radio with Nick Hamilton for the opposite reaction. A lot of you are here on Thursday as well on CBTV Radio and 950 Lounge. So today we got a lot to talk about. Um, One of my favorite journalists, um, tremendous amount of respect for this woman, woman said something that I don't think she should have said. It's not horrific. There's no cancel culture here, but I do think it's worth a discussion. Antonio Brown might be getting a job, but can we trust it? Um, we got a lot to talk about. We got we got all that. Plus, separating politics from sports, is it a thing? And it, would you be surprised to find out someone who said it is a thing did not do just that? So. Stay with me. We're going to talk about a whole lot. But first and foremost, did you hear the rumors? (laughs) I have been saying this. I have been asking for this. I have been putting it out there to the football gods that maybe Antonio Brown will be coming back to the league. If you didn't know, he had um, an eight-game suspension. So depending on when teams have their bye, he could be playing very, very quickly here. If they sign him, they can get him going right away. The team that is on the forefront as of right now as possibly signing Antonio Brown is the Seattle Seahawks. Don't believe the hype, y'all, because the Seattle Seahawks have done this to us time and time again. Actually, it's only two times. (laughs) But check your memory banks because they did this to us with Des Bryant. There was this whole possibility a few years ago that they were going to be signing Des Bryant. That did not happen we thought it would would happen. It made sense for it to happen. It didn't happen. Two different occasions, they told us that they might be interested in Colin Kaepernick. A lot of us have been hoping and praying that Colin Kaepernick gets his second shot in the league. That did not happen. Not only did that not happen, they didn't even work the man out. It was ridiculous. So I'm not entirely sure of all the team. For some reason, I feel like the Seattle Seahawks just have this thing where they just want to be the good guy all the time, no matter what. So when there's an opportunity to be like, oh, hey, hey, you know, it's okay. We might do it. We might. Seattle Seahawks will take it, even if they have no intentions of doing so. I think, I think this might be one of those times. I don't necessarily think that this is a real thing. I, I would be all for it. I would encourage it. I would be rooting for him. I might even go so far as to get it. No, I wouldn't go that far. I might go that far and get a AB Seattle Seahawks jersey, maybe. I don't know. Probably not. Anyway, <laughs> but I definitely would be rooting for him because I, I, you know, 
I think we give a lot of people second chances for different reasons, and I think he definitely deserves one. But I'm going to tell you why I don't think he is going to end up in Seattle. For me, it just doesn't make a whole, whole lot of sense. First and foremost, the main thing, and it's weird. I, I do kind of see how the the narrative has ended up that that might be a landing spot. But the Seahawks are 5-0 and right now. They are undefeated. Let that sink in. They are undefeated. Um, Russell Wilson has thrown to date. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about all time. But this season, to date, through five games, he has thrown the most touchdowns in the NFL. He has thrown 19 touchdowns, three interceptions. He's thrown for 1,500 yards. He has a 72.8 completion rate. That is fan-freaking-tastic. The man is doing just fine. Like I said, 100 completion rate is ridiculous. 123 completed passes on 169 attempts. He has 18 passes over 20 yards. So when you look at it like that, like I said, Seattle's doing fine. They're, they have absolutely no need for Antonio Brown. A lot of people think that maybe they're looking at Antonio Brown because of the Josh Gordon situation. As you know, Josh Gordon was suspended indefinitely. He did apply for reinstatement in June, um, but nothing has happened with that. Roger Godell was hoping that that um, suspension would have been lifted in time for him to go to training camp, and here we are. Seahawks are 5-0. and There's no sign of that suspension being lifted at all, which is troubling to me because I'm what, what, I don't know. It's troubling to me. We would have to dig into that. I have to do some more investigation into that at a later date. Um, but Pete Carroll has also said that he, he isn't sure of the Josh Gordon timeline. He does not know when he'll come back. He said that he will basically know the same time he knows because he doesn't know anything, but I don't think that the Josh Gordon situation is what would possibly influence the Seattle Seahawks situation. Um, although I can see why people would think that, because if you have no idea when Josh Gordon is coming back, then you do need to plan outside of that. And I don't think that the Seattle Seahawks receiving core um, in Tyler Luckett or DK Metcalf is just, uh, or um, Traquan Smith, none of those guys are bad. I don't think that they're outstanding. I don't think that these are guys that, you know, have like the talent of AB. I definitely don't think that, but they're getting it done. And I'm, I'm very much team. If it ain't broke, don't fix it because however you fix it might actually break it. <laughs> so I don't know if I actually think that they, they need to go ahead and push forward with Antonio Brown. Um, at this time, I don't, I don't, really want to subscribe to the whole narrative that, oh, you know, he needs to seek uh, mental help because I believe he's done that. We've seen him on his Instagram. He's been pretty quiet. He's been, we haven't seen him in therapy. Okay, fine. I've, I saw somebody say that, like, you haven't seen him in therapy? No, nor should we. That would be weird. You shouldn't see me in my therapy session if I go to therapy. I shouldn't see you in your therapy session if you go to therapy. Why would we see A.B.? The man says he's putting in the work, not only that the work that the NFL must have laid out. He said that the NFL laid out guidelines that he should follow as far as, you know, getting getting mentally healthy. He said he's done that. He's also saying that he's doing stuff on his own. Um, and since we don't know, I, I think that we should be inclined to believe him because the man definitely wants to get back into the NFL. 
We know that. We know that every single football player wants to get back into the NFL, regardless of what that means on their mind or their body. On a side note, I saw um, Josh Cribbs on the Pat McAfee show not too long ago, and he said something that I found completely troubling. He said that he entered into some study because, as you know, right now we can't find out if a person has CTE until after they die, which is terrifying to me. But he entered into a study that told him, even though he's 32 now, they told him he, he had a brain of a 58-year-old who had had some sort of head trauma in their life. Not just a normal 58-year-old, a 58-year-old with head trauma, which means he's probably going to start forgetting stuff and he's going to have all these symptoms that we know come with CTE. So he's telling this story, um, and at the end of it, he says, had he known then what he knows now, because his doctors have basically told him, you got to get in front of this. You got to do like extra work to try to keep your mind strong and healthy because you're going to start forgetting stuff a lot earlier than the rest of us would. And he says, sometimes he thinks about that and like how that's going to be with his kids or his grandkids and him not really being able to be there mentally the way that he'd want to be there for him, for them. But then he said... If he, if he knew that then, if he, you rewind and you talk about, talk to him then, he said he would still play football. That was on one hand inspiring, like, wow, you really love this. This is your passion. This is something you love to do. That's amazing. But then on the other hand, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> like, no, I mean, no. Okay, whatever. But we know that is the case with every single football player. I said it time and time again that I think that AB has CTE. He has all the telltale signs. And the fact that no one really talks about that is crazy to me. All the symptoms that we know about CTE, AB exhibits. He exhibits like every single one of them down to a T. Unfortunately, we'll never know that until, you know, God forbid he were to pass away. So I don't even know how much help he could actually get. Because I don't know, I'm not a doctor, I don't know the ins and outs of CTE. I don't know how much help you can give a guy like that. But nonetheless, he wants to play. I am going to go ahead and say absolutely not to the Seattle Seahawks. First of all, they lie to us time and time again. And like I said, they don't need him. They are getting it done with the personnel that they have. If Josh Gordon comes back, you deal with that animal and keeping that guy mentally okay because that's a that's a beast within itself you don't have two guys that you have to kind of coddle and make sure they're okay and no you don't you don't put yourself in that situation because luck would have it that the day you sign a b josh gordon's suspension is lifted that would be that would be too much it'd be too much for anybody to to bear ironically when you're talking about the bottom of the barrel as far as teams and their passing game and their what their stats are as far as how many yards they're getting and things like that. The bottom of the barrel might surprise you. Some of it might not. Um, dead last, number 32, is the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins. They're over there at one and five. I don't think anybody is surprised by that. Number 31 definitely will surprise you, though, because it, it is the Titans, who are also 5-0, somehow with Ryan Tannehill. I never thought I would see the day where I thought Ryan Tannehill was going to be getting it done. Um, number 30 is one of those things again, might surprise you might not. It's the Texans, Deshaun Watson and those guys are over there at one and five. The undefeated Steelers are at 29. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks are at 28. And then of course my saints are at 27. Now I will say this, 
him in New Orleans doesn't bother me. It just doesn't bother me because like we're having problems. Um, I think you can put a lot of that on Drew Brees, Drew Brees right now. Um, but him and him and in New Orleans does not bother me at all. But I will tell you where I think Antonio Brown should end up. Houston Texans. <coughs> that is where I think he should end up. Um, Deshaun Watson, they set that man up for all kinds of failure when they sent DeAndre Hopkins off, who, fun fact, is over there in Arizona, and he's leading the league in receptions and receiving yards right now, which is crazy because it's not crazy because we all knew that that was going to be a thing, but you just took that away, Uh, whatever. But they have Will Fuller over there, Brandon Cooks, and Randall Cobb now those are also names that are not standout guys. They're doing okay, um, but they're not standout guys, and you're one in five. So if you have somebody who can open up that backfield for you, A.B. is probably one of the best route runners I've seen, hands down, unlike Des Bryant. Now, I think Des Bryant has put in the work, and I hope Des Bryant gets a job at some point. There's not even enough injuries in the league right now. I, I literally thought that there was going to be a ton of injuries because that's what we saw in the onset of the season, a lot of injuries. I thought there was going to be enough injuries that Des Bryant was automatically going to get picked up. Eric Reed still doesn't have a job. I thought a lot of people were going to end up getting a job because of the injuries, but that is not the case. Of course, a lot of that is because of how they set up the practice squad and they don't have to go through waivers and things of that nature. But nonetheless, I thought the season was going to pan out differently for a lot of guys who are sitting waiting for a job. Um, but I think... Antonio Brown to the Houston Texans. Now I'm saying this and I haven't looked at any kind of space or how, you know, how they would make this happen, what kind of deals they could make. Um, same with the Seattle Seahawks. I'm assuming Seattle Seahawks got money to spare because everybody, some, every time somebody needs a job, the Seahawks throw their name in the hat. So I'm assuming they have money to spare. Um, and I would think, I would guess Houston does too, especially since they sent off DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm going to say this, Antonio Brown, best fit, Houston Texans. Will he go there? I don't know. I think he should though. But stay with us when we come back. We are going to get into one of my favorite journalists did something that I often and will continue to frown upon find out what it is stay with me this is your girl jackie ray on at the half i'll be right back all right guys once again it's your girl jackie ray right here on cbtv radio and 950 lounge wherever you hear your podcast and on the fumble every single weekday at 11 a.m pacific standard time i forgot to mention while you're on here go ahead on over to instagram and twitter follow me at jray the fanatic it would be greatly appreciated um also shout out to the scorpios out there we are officially in scorpio season my birthday is on november 9th i am thoroughly disappointed that we still in a pandemic i i I literally thought we was gonna be over this nonsense by now but alas we are not and i feel some type of way about it but i'm gonna do the best i can regardless so go ahead and shout your girl out and all that. I'm not one of those people. I'm not going to give you my address. You can't send me no gifts. No way. But shout your girl out. It would be greatly appreciated. So let's get right into this because this is one of our, you know, us moments. I I talk about 
a lot of things that affect the black community. This is definitely one of them. And I just kind of want to go through this one because I need to hear how y'all feel about it because I am terribly troubled by it because it's just, it's just, it's out of pocket and it's completely out of pocket. So you guys know Jamil Hill. I feel like her and I are cut from this, a similar cloth, not exactly the same cloth because if it was the same cloth, she wouldn't have gone to Twitter and said something that she said that we're going to get into. But I really, I respect her. Um, I find it ironic that she called Donald Trump exactly what he is, which is a white supremacist and a racist, which ultimately ended up costing her her job. And now here we are and the rest of the world knows first and foremost that he is a white supremacist and a racist. A little weird. Um, this is also a woman who has gone, I feel like, above and beyond to defend Colin Kaepernick and his peaceful protest, which I applaud her for that. She also kind of stays on the forefront of talking about black issues, things that affect the black community, and trying to champion on our behalf and make us aware and educate us and things of that nature. So I'm very, very proud of her for that. Um, that being said, my personal motto, and I try, I try my very, very best to stick to it, especially publicly. I've told this story several times on how I was raised. My dad was very adamant, like, if we have problems, that's cool. If we argue, that's cool. But we do all of that behind closed doors. When we are out in public, we present a united front because we show no cracks in our armor that people can try to take advantage of it and manipulate the situation and, and possibly be a detriment to one of us individually or us as a family as a whole. And I ride by that. Like, if you are my friend. I'm a beef with you in private. I will never beef with you in public. I, I try very hard not to speak ill about anybody. Now, in private, I might go to town on you, but I'm never going to do that publicly. And I try to be that way as much as possible with black people. There are some exceptions to that. If you are an Uncle Ruckus, a.k.a. Jason Whitlock, <laughs> um... Ben Carson or an auntie or an auntie ruckus like Candace Owens, I probably will come for you. Um, if you have suspect tendencies like Kamala Harris, I will probably come for you, but I will always find a, a way to talk about the things that you've done positive if you've only got tendencies. But if you've got tendencies, I do think it's important to call those tendencies out because usually where there's a tip of the iceberg, there's a whole big ass iceberg underneath that people need to know about. <laughs> so, But for the most part, Stephen A. Smith is one of those guys that I feel like sometimes he shows tendencies, but I, I try very hard to try to see things from his side, although he's fumbled the ball, but he has a very long career of trying to be the voice. Um, Des Bryant has said some things that I don't agree with, but again, I try very hard to understand where he's coming from. And I think that as black people, it is important for us to do that. It is important for us, unless you are just a flat out bakunery like 50 cent, or like I said, Jason Whitlock, then it is important to give the benefit of the doubt to your fellow brother and sister, AKA ice cube definitely deserves a benefit, benefit of the doubt. Y'all are tripping. So I'm definitely going to give Jamil Hill a benefit of the doubt. And normally I wouldn't even talk about this because of that. 
But this is a this is a topic that comes up in our community far too often, and I personally just could not overlook it. So she took to Twitter um, on Thursday. Was it Thursday or Wednesday? Wednesday or Thursday, and said, um, "This was her tweet." She says, "I have increasingly found that many black men just want better access to patriarchy. They don't actually want want it dismantled." So, just in case you don't understand me, because I know sometimes we throw words around. If you don't understand what patriarchy is, it means, you know, like the man is the head of the family and, and everyone kind of goes in his direction. That is one way that that word can be used. But it also means it's a system of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it. This topic comes up so much in our community. And it does warrant a conversation because I've even called it out. And it's, I feel some type of way when I see a brother who's not with a sister. <laughs> I do. I'm not even going to lie. I feel some type of way about it. Um, that's you. And however you find love, that's fine. My circle is different. I don't, I, I, I'm rooting for everybody black. My mind moves in black. And so I would want somebody who is black in my circle to have a similar thought process just because you're trying to push the needle and people get mad about that. Like, Oh, you can't have people who have difference of opinion than you. Yeah. But your, your common goal, your common theme needs to be the same. If you're going to move as one, I totally believe that, but I don't, I don't like this narrative. I don't like, yes, there's a, there's an issue. There is a divide between black men and black women and we need to address that, but we need to address it internally. We don't, address it publicly in a world that loves to find faults with us. I don't like this comment from her at all. Regardless of how I feel about the comment, I don't like it. Um, because on the flip side, I feel like as black women, we need to acknowledge some things too. I saw a, a group of brothers, and so I think it was last year, there was a black woman who was mistreated in an, a beauty salon, a beauty supply store um, by some Asian people. And these brothers gathered together and they went down to this, this beauty supply store and they handled it. Basically drew their line in the sand. They was like, this is what we're not going to do. You guys are not going to be out here disrespecting our black women. They did that. And lo and behold, here come a whole bunch of black women who don't care nothing about these black men standing up for them. They just want to go in there and get their lace fronts. You know what I mean? So we, we not, not that that happens all the time, because on the flip side, you do have us as, and when I say us, I mean, black women, we are leading the charge for e equality in this country. We are leading the charge to say, Hey, stop shooting our black men down in the street. Hey, stop sending our black men to prison and talk about, we don't have black men to raise their families. Stop sending our black men to prison for nonviolent offenses that white folks is getting probation for. Stop doing that. It is definitely us leading the charge in that aspect. And sometimes when you're at the front of the line, you do feel like you're left, you're isolated and, and black men don't have your back. I've felt that way. And obviously Jamel Hill has felt, felt that way, but it's her wording that I have a problem with because I forget the show that's on Netflix, but it does talk about how what you believe and the things that you like are going, social media is going to present things to you that reconfirm those thought processes. So I like a lot of black love things on my Instagram and Twitter. I got like five different black love pages 
So I get a lot of black couples doing amazing things, traveling, building businesses together, buying land and building homes together, raising black families, having a little politician on their hand that they raise. And I see a lot of that. And so I, it helped me change my thought process. So you, you can't feed into that negativity, but I don't like her saying specifically that she feels like many black men. First of all, you don't know many black men. You don't know many black men to say this because the majority of black men that I know fall outside the societal norms that say, oh, black men always treat, they always choose white women. They always mistreat black women things of that nature. 90% of the black men that I know do not fall within that narrative. So if I were to write a post, my post would be many black men love and respect black women. I don't know a whole, whole you don't, none, none of us do. None of us know a whole bunch of people outside of our circle. That's just a fact. I don't care what your race is, which, where you come from. None of us know a whole bunch of people that lie without what outside of our circle. And so people came for her. And one of the things that was said to her that I, that I really wanted her to respond to, but she didn't, is the, a tweet from um, Riza. Now, you guys probably know him, Riza Islam. He is part of the Nation of Islam. I love him. I love to hear him speak because he be dropping facts so quick. I love him. But he, he took to her Twitter and he pretty much echoed a sentiment that I said. He said, you don't have conversations with black men. You are around white men in black skin. And that that's harsh too. But when you think about it, when you're talking about the organization, she doesn't work for any black owned companies. As far as I know, aside from her going to an HBCU, I don't think she's ever worked for a black owned company. So you are, and that's the problem, right? And now I'm not talking about any companies badly. I'm just saying that you learn very quickly as a black person that there's just not enough room for a whole bunch of y'all when it's not a black company. You learn very quickly. They say, they call it crabs in a barrel is what my grandma used to call it. When I got older, I realized that's not it. It's just that when you're in a white company, there's not enough black spots. And trust me, there's a quota. There's not enough. That's why when you see these companies, you see a whole bunch of white person people. And then you still have that one black person in the back, like, Hey, I made it. <laughs> Cause there's just not a lot of room for us. And so because of that, black people start to acclimate, change their behavior, their speech, their vernacular to fit in with the culture that's not even their own. So that's what he means by that. You are around black, you are white men and black skin, right? So I, he's not being negative. He's just getting to the point a lot quicker. It's only 150 characters you can use on Twitter, you guys. So he had to get to the point. Uh, but he said, feel free to reach out for real black men and have a conversation when you're finished bashing us and doing the white man's job of perpetuating division among black men and women for him. There, I don't need to say nothing else. I totally agree with this. We as black people cannot keep pushing these narratives. I understand that we need to have these conversations, but we can't keep pushing negative narratives about each other and expecting these narratives to change. Let's take this in house. Let's have this conversation in house. Let's build together and then let's go outside and move together. The, this is not acceptable to me. Um, he did follow it up and cause she came back to him and she came back to him combative, which, which I get cause his, his, his tweet was kind of combative, but it was right. Um, but she came back to him and said, I don't have conversations with real black men 
you know, as a question, she said, dude, stop it. Rather than get so defensive, why don't you have conversations with real black women to get some perspective? I'm a real black woman. I do not share your perspective. I do not believe that black men, even the ones that choose white women, I do not believe that black men are out here trying to do away with a system that is designed to oppress them specifically so they can get a little higher to oppress us. There ain't no parts of me that believe that not one single solitary part, but you have to understand that that's basically what your tweet said. And it was, it was reckless at best shouldn't have been said, but he invites her and he says, I would be honored to have a dialogue with you, sister. I don't think you know of me for, for you would know that I am one of the brothers who stand up for black women on a consistent basis, Caucasian male white supremacy patriarchy is what you're referring to ready when you are. And I really hope and pray that she has this dialogue, not only one-on-one -on -one with him, but that is something that we need to see publicly because that is a black man who I know for a fact, cause I follow him all the time. He not only stands up for black women, he stands up for black people, period. She needs to see more of that. I think the only way you say something like this, which is reckless, and she just married a black man. So when you say many, how many black men are in your husband's family that fall into this narrative? Because if you're saying many, there's a couple of them that are in your husband's family that fall into that narrative. There's a couple of them that are in your family that fall into that narrative. There's a couple of them in Carrie Champion, your colleague's family, who falls into that narrative. Now, if you won't sit here and say that none of the black men in the circles that I just named fall into that narrative, then this tweet shouldn't have been said. Period. And that's all. It's reckless. You need to have this conversation and you need to let us watch it. Let me know what you guys think about that because I thought this was very reckless of Jamil and I don't know her to be this way. It was almost like she going through something. Like maybe her husband did put her in her place and was like, no, what you not gonna do is X, Y, and Z. And she felt some type of way about that and took to Twitter. We've all done it, ladies, come on. We've all seen those little you know, stories that say, you know, love if he can't love you, da, 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 da. and we seem like we're putting it out there for the world, but it's really because the guy we with done done some bonehead stuff, and so now we feel in some type of way. But that's what this tweet seems like to me. She need to have this conversation. I really hope she has this conversation. Let me know what you think about this statement. Is it true or is it false? Let me know. Hit me up on at Jray the Fanatic on Instagram and Twitter. Let me know your thoughts. Um, and stay with us. We will be right back. We're going to take one more quick break and we'll be right back. All right. All right. All right. We in the home stretch. Uh, we in the home stretch. Yes. All right. Once again, you guys, it's your girl, Jackie Ray. Jay Ray's a fanatic. If you decide to venture on over to Instagram and Twitter and follow your girl, I'm also on Facebook, but not very often. Have y'all been to Facebook lately? It, it just doesn't feel right. It feels like a very odd place. <laughs> but if you want to follow me over there, you can as well. Thank you again to 950 Lounge and CBTV Radio for hosting this podcast. You can also follow it on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. I am there as well. This next one is so much fun for me because it is hilarious. Um, so... <laughs> I, I, I'm trying not to laugh, but I want you to, Joe Buck gets a lot of flack for not being very animated, being very, very dry, 
um, things of that nature. And he, and it's warranted. It's funny. He embraces it now, but it is funny. Um, but I have heard this narrative over and over and over again, that you have to keep politics out of sports, which is funny to me because I feel like people who say that don't know a thing about sports, don't know. And, and here's, here's also what I believe when people say that they don't really care if you keep politics out of sports, they, they care if you're a black person and your politics are talking about equality and racism and things of that nature, those kind of politics they want kept out of sports. Because I recall specifically, nobody had a problem with Tim Tebow taking a knee in the end zone, even though a lot of people are not Christian. Nobody had a problem with that. But when Colin Kaepernick took a knee to fight oppression, people lost their damn mind. It's different. It's not different because one's a religion and one's because it's a peaceful protest. It's different because one guy's black and one guy's white. I'm sorry. I know a lot of y'all don't want to admit that, but that's, that's what it is. So... <laughs> In 2017, you know, kind of when we were really at the height of NFL players going out and taking a knee and doing their best to use their platforms, although they were stifled in a lot of ways because most NFL owners at that time were not supportive of them using their platform to, to raise awareness about this issue. Ironically, they've all changed their tune now, not because they want it to, but because it's economically beneficial for them to do so. Let's be clear. Not one owner in the NFL is different. Not one owner had an aha moment. Not one of them said to themselves when they saw George Floyd call out for his mom before he died. Not one of them watched that. Probably not all of them watched it all the way through. That's first and foremost. Number two, even if they did, not one of them went, damn, this is foul. Like, this can't keep happening. We have to help. You know how I know that? I have not seen one owner in these little videos that the NFL is doing where these players, including Drew Brees, who had his little comments to say then and now that are still negative about this protest. I haven't seen one owner sit down and say, this is how I thought then. This is what I think now. This is what I not only, uh, th this is what we're going to do just as an organization. I know that I have, because of my financial gains in life, I do have some clout, political clout, economical clout. I am in the private sector, which Ice Cube is de definitely trying to get us to understand the private sector needs to come in and do some things. I've not seen one NFL owner do that, and you know why? None of them have changed their mind. All of them are still very much anti pushing the needle for social change when it comes to black people. Nothing you can say is going to convince me otherwise. That being said, um, one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time is Troy Aikman. So you, you can imagine how I felt when back in 2017, he he said what he had to say. They asked him what he thought about the Fox, because at that time we did find out when he, when they asked him this specific question, we found out it wasn't um, an NFL mandate apparently to show, because I think a lot of people in the NFL were like, all right, if these guys are going to just take a knee during the national anthem, then just don't show it on national TV. Yes, our fans that are in the stadium will have to be subjected to that, like as if it's a bad thing. But they just didn't want it shown on TV. And Fox was like, nah, nah, 
That's not what we're going to do. We're showing the whole game like we've been doing. And they were going to show the national anthem. And so a lot of guys were going to be seen kneeling. So they specifically asked for Aikman about that decision for Fox to air the national anthem. And he said, quote, and I'm not paraphrasing. This is a direct quote. He said, I just thought it was a bad decision. I thought that people tune in to watch football and sports and it's supposed to be their getaway from politics and from the real world. So I did not agree with those decisions. So that was his direct quote. He went on to say that, you know, he didn't think it was a good idea. He respects the flag, our men and women in the armed forces, as if kneeling. Oh, my God. Like, I hate explaining that. Okay, so keep all that in mind. Troy Aikman specifically said, keep politics out of sports. Joe Buck never said that, to my knowledge. If he did, please correct me. I would love to, to find out his quote on that. But we know Troy Aikman did. So please take a listen, if you will, as Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are commentating the Tampa Bay Green Bay game and an F-18 from our United States Air Force, or it could have been the Navy. I'm, it, it could have been either one. I'm going to head, go ahead and assume it was Navy, and I'll tell you why. Um, an F-18 flies overhead. Take a listen. A lot of jet fuel just to do a little flyover. That's your hard-earned money and your tax dollars at work. That stuff ain't happening with Kamala Biden ticket. I'll tell you that right now, partner. Okay. So it's the partner at the end for me. Thank you. That that did it. Um, partner. That That's just so, like, southern and, and about that life at the end. I'm not mad at this statement. You guys know I don't have any sort of affiliation or true support for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, aside from they're not Demon 45. That's my only positive note about either one of them. But correct me if I'm wrong, but did he not just specifically endorse Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? And if he did, is that not a political endorsement during a game that you say people watch because they want to get away from all of that? Oh, what a difference three years makes, sir. <laughs> and again, I'm not mad at it because I get it. We done had four years of this dude. I get it. Get him out at all costs. I understand that. But I do find it a little ironic that he took this moment in time to totally change his views. I also thought it was hilarious because people started dragging him on social media, dragging him. Uh, now, here's a funny thing. I actually watched that Tampa Bay Green Bay game and I heard him say that. Did not register to me. When I heard it, I chuckled like, haha, way to go, Troy Aikman. Because I totally forgot about his 2017 sentiment. But I didn't, I didn't think it was worth all the dragging. The whole thing, what was that, like 10, 15 seconds? The whole thing was quick. It was easy. It wasn't like it sparked up this whole conversation that was new or he was trying to push some idea that hasn't already tried to be pushed. But of course, MAGA country was in the building and they had a field day. So much so that the Navy decided to chime in because obviously Troy Aikman's point was that's taxpayer money that's just gone out the damn window because y'all decided to do a flyover for an empty stadium. So, well, not empty, but you know what? Partially empty. So the Navy decides to chime in, and the Navy tells them that, no, you are wrong, sir. Flyovers do not cost 
the taxpayers any money. We loop that into our budget. Flyovers are looped into our budget so that way taxpayers do not have to pay for them and they are considered training exercises. So yeah, it's a flyover for you. For, it's, for us, it's training. And there's absolutely positively no cost to the taxpayer. So then it was like, ah, oh, damn, that sucks. But aha, uh -huh. dig a little, little deeper, sir. Dig a little deeper. So that's actually correct. Upon the Jackie Ray investigation, that's correct. The flyovers are looped in. They are a part of the training. Taxpayers do not pay for flyovers during games. They do pay for the jet fuel, <laughs> which in 2011, in the Super Bowl of 2011, the jet fuel for that, and I don't know why I could not find, I don't think it's been done in a Super Bowl for a while. I feel like for a while it was done in every single Super Bowl, um, but it must not have been done for a while because that's the last time I could find like a Super Bowl flyover. And why in the hell was it done in Tampa Bay? I, that's the part that I'm trying to figure out, but whatever. Um, the one that I could find was the Super Bowl from 2011. The jet fuel from that cost $400,000. Um, of that money, uh, taxpayers were responsible for $109,000. So that was 2011. So you calculate in inflation, pandemic surcharge. I'm just going to go ahead and guess that this one probably cost the taxpayers around $180,000 for the jet fuel. Jet fuel is not cheap at all. Uh, so no. The flyover didn't cost the taxpayers anything, but the jet fuel <laughs> did. Do I think for one second that Joe Biden is going to stop flyovers for football games? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't think that has anything to do. Well, obviously it's a branch of the military, so I guess he could give an executive order. I don't think he's going to be that guy. I don't think he's going to run if he wins. And like I've said before, I don't think Trump is an anomaly. I think that he's a typical white guy. And since he's typical, I think a lot of people who are white are going to vote for him. I think there is a chance that he will win. He's not going to get my vote. Um, and I am not going to abstain from voting because like I've, I've heard a lot of you say, you know, when you don't vote, it's a vote for Trump. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but I am going to help do my part. I am not going to endorse the other side. I am just simply going to say, I am going to give the person who I feel has the best chance to get him out my vote because he needs to be gone. But that's it. Not because I'm endorsing the other guy. But I don't think that Joe Biden would lead his, his, his presidency the way that Donald Trump has and do everything by executive order. I don't think he's going to do that. I also don't think he's going to be like Donald Trump and say something stupid like, oh, I brought football back, which is totally not true. Um, I don't think he's going to get involved with sports outside of having White House visits when people win. I think those will resume and those will be less tumultuous <laughs> um, because people actually want to go to the White House. But other than that, I don't think that this really has a bearing um, on the presidency at all. I don't think they're going to even think about it. I don't think anybody's going to right after the inauguration, play back Troy Aikman's statement and go, you know what? We should probably not do that. But this was a moment to get in your wishes, Troy Aikman. I am proud of you for getting him in there. I thought it was hilarious. I don't have anything to say about it aside from that, but I did again want to get your thoughts. 
why do we why do we need to keep politics out of sports why is that a suggestion um if you're a doctor do you not go to work and talk about politics if do you not invite people over your house for a drink and maybe talk about politics um if you're an a regular average joe do you not get to talk about politics why do we think that athletes can't have that same luxury? Is it just because we're jealous of their platform that we think, oh, yeah, they, it's not fair that people will actually listen to them when they don't listen to me, so they shouldn't talk about it? Is that what we think? Because if that's the thing, then we stupid. We the dumb ones in this situation, not these athletes. I'm not entirely sure how we arrived at the whole no politics in sports because um, if there was no politics in sports, uh, we would have never integrated sports. Fun fact, kids, do with that what you like. Some of y'all probably would have liked that. I'm indifferent. But that's all the time I got right now, guys. Make sure, again, you watch me every single weekday on the Fumble at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Also, a big thank you to 950 Lounge and CBTV Radio for hosting this podcast. Make sure you go to iTunes, subscribe. Give me subscribe. Did I really put a V in there? Make sure you go to iTunes and subscribe. Um, give me five stars or listen to me on Spotify. Um, DM with me, chat with me, leave comments on my stuff. I definitely try to respond. You might get black if I got time that day. Don't leave no scriptures on my damn Instagram. A lot of y'all been doing that. I don't know what that's about, but stop it. Uh, <laughs> so other than that, chat with your girl and I'll see you next Thursday.